We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Lakers take a 3-1 lead within an instant classic. The Warriors make uh, some adjustments. They make a lineup shift. Steph has an incredible game, a 30-point triple-double. The Lakers are looking kind of shaky. They're down as much as 12 in the second half. And then in the fourth quarter of the fourth game, the skies open and Lonnie Walker, the fourth, is imbued with superpowers by the basketball gods. And he delivers a classic Lonnie. Oh, man. 15 points in the fourth quarter. Just one of those classic games. And the Lakers deliver a a huge blow to the Golden State Warriors going up 3-1. We end the game with the best defensive player on the planet guarding the best offensive player on the planet. Like, regardless of who you're rooting for, if you're just a basketball fan, Mike, like, it's like, oh, that's so cool. This is like the best that it gets. And the Lakers find a way, which is one of those themes, Mike. You were there and up close. Take us through the night. You know, in the car ride home, I usually listen to podcasts and I always... It was always music growing up. Of course, they didn't have podcasts back when, when we were growing up. On the way home tonight, I uh, I said, you know what? The just I just am going to listen to some music. You know, they're yeah. the way that the and so the the for, I pull up my my iTunes. You know, sometimes I'm listening to my wife's Spotify account, and the song that comes on was the previous one that I had been listening to was uh, Jay Z Justify My Thug, and the the beat to that <laughs> to that track is just it's just a real and. It, it kind of so oh, I'm boy. driving back, you know, down the the 110 and just looking at Los Angeles in the background. It was really a hey. an incredible night, uh, and the atmosphere, guys. What we were texting about it because I think you saw some one of you either saw a tweet or somebody sent you a text about it, and it was a I don't want to say that it was an anxious crowd, but there was there was a certain level of anxiety in the first half because that's sort of how Golden State I think makes you as a fan base feel but then eventually as always happens like the fans just continue to crescendo up until the point where by the fourth quarter it was already like as Lonnie started to get going and his ad's getting defensive stops um it was turning into i don't know probably a top 10 atmosphere that i've been to since 2008 and i've been to all of the games It, it really turned 
And just, you know, Steph, Pete, you said in the text, in the text thread, like Steph, maybe the greatest offensive threat uh, in basketball Mm -hmm. still today, but for the last, what, 15 years, AD playing the best defense uh, that anybody has played in a long time. And to have that, those two possessions, or I guess one possession where he's defending Steph Mm -hmm. to finish it. And then just to get, to kick it back to Lonnie, who was of course the difference maker in this one. I turned to the reporter next to me, shout out Ben Golliver after he hits the three to start the fourth quarter and said, wow, that's a, that's a big ball shot for somebody that had yet to take a shot. You know, the Lakers were, were down at that point seven. uh, And he just came in confidently rose and stuck it. And that was just, he would go on to score 12 more points in that quarter uh, in all types of other key moments. And Mm -hmm. it was incredible, uh, incredible. And they needed every single one of them. And then they needed to hold the Warriors to 17 points in the fourth quarter. And it just all of that together, guys, like I'm now in the spot where I can't wait to hear what you thought of watching the game on TV and probably having a more cohesive train of thought through it uh, in the actual basketball and all the adjustments and stuff like that, because it was a, an incredible atmosphere. And 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 just think about the stakes like the Lakers going up three one now uh, against one of these this this greatest collection of players that play together uh, that we've seen in NBA history. Two teams that traded absolute haymakers pretty much all game and the Lakers look buckled Pete like they were down 12 a little bit over four minutes left in the third quarter and offense was stuck in mud to a certain extent like I thought it was funny because I was thinking about this at at halftime as I'm watching everyone talk and even my timeline and then reviewing like the text I was sending you guys and almost everything I was saying was about um the Lakers defense against like the Warriors offense and the adjustments that, mm-hmm. that the Warriors offense made the halftime score was 52 to 49. Neither of these teams were scoring. Like I thought the Warriors had really good shot quality during that stretch, but they were mm-hmm. just missing. The Lakers were, well, were missing as well. And it seemed like one, one of those games where both teams felt the moment. And then once shots did start, start to fall, that's when it was like body blow after body blow from all of these teams um, and from all of these players, I should say, from both sides. Lonnie was – he was just amazing. Um, I saw a stat from the NBA history account. First Lakers bench player to score 15 points off of the bench in the fourth quarter since Kobe Bryant in 1997, exactly, exactly 26 years ago today against the Jazz. This idea of him staying ready and so happy for Lonnie. I was so happy for him after the last game. This game, it's sort of surreal to see him up there on the podium and just talking about, like, I have confidence in myself. I'm always looking to score. And whether it's the first shot in the first quarter or the first shot in the fourth quarter, like, I'm ready to go. And then I think about Anthony Davis's defense. I think about... All of the plays that go into this sort of game, Pete, and and just the ability to carry yourself a certain way and like the return of point LeBron and the matchup hunting and so many little things, the tweaks, Darwin tweaking matchups again to start this game. And then again, after halftime, adjusting to Steve Kerr, who's adjusting and really taking advantage of what he saw. There were just so many back and forth, such a chess match and really like a conference finals or finals level sort of feel to some of these games but it's the second round 
Yeah, it did not. It did not feel like the second round. Yeah. Pete, we've seen so many high stakes basketball games, and I don't think I've ever felt one that was like this in this game four of the second round. Bro, I was I think all I did for the last five, six minutes of the game would just say, oh, my God, in different inflections and speeds like it was just, just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, like and then get the rebound was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh my God, right? Like it was like, get the ball. <laughs> but it was just really an encapsulation of so much of this season that has been that just like riding the roller coaster, uh, you know, that but the Lakers have made it through so many fires that and and Lonnie really exemplifies this, you know, that I I was I, I had tears in my eyes, honestly, man, at the end of that game with LeBron and AD embracing him, Mike. I don't know how how close to that all that you were, but like the Ten feet. Oh, too cool. I can't wait to hear your perspective on it, man. Just the the level of genuine, like, so happy for Lonnie. It was, I was called the, La- the Lakers, my favorite novella. And this is one of those episodes where it's just like, you're bawling your eyes out, tears of joy at the end type of thing, man, where like, talk, talk to me about Lonnie. We've gotten to know him this year. He's had, speaking of roller coasters, individually, he's had a, a whole roller coaster of a season and he had he had that big game. I forgot who it was against. Might have been OKC where it, he hadn't been playing and then he came in and had like a 20 point night for us. And he was talking about the importance of staying ready and being you know up for the moment. And his number has been called halfway through this series, Mike, and he's just been spectacular. I, I texted you guys earlier before this game, like it's almost like that soccer substitution that guy that comes in in the 80th or the 85th minute with the fresh legs, it's like, I'm going to run all day. And everyone, a lot of the really good players are like, fuck, man, we got to keep up with this guy. And he just really left an imprint on the game. Yeah, so Pete, you're right. It was the OKC game, and that was March 24th, right before the last game that the Lakers lost in that building against Chicago. That was the last time they lost. Uh, Almost on two March months. 26th. Wow. Yeah, and, and I think the way I would summarize Lonnie, so earlier in the season, Lonnie starts the year and he's one of the players that you're as you look at the Lakers roster and think, oh, you know what? That's a pretty good signing. You know, even if there was some original skepticism about his game from San Antonio and why they let him go and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, in November, he averaged 18 points on 51 percent from the field, shot 44 percent from three. The defense was pretty good like early in the season. Started to slip a little bit right in December. He's at 12.4 points in January, 9.3. Um, it ends up not playing. He had an injury uh, for for a couple of weeks or at least something that was ailing him. Then February starts playing a little more again. But he never really, once they made the trades, and not only was D'Lo going to be starting, but Malik Beasley, I think that they the reputation of Beasley as that true spacer, right? And, and I, I think that I get it. Like when he's a part of a trade like that and he had a couple of good early games and so – Lonnie found himself being the odd guy out, but there would be these spots where they would try to lose him or use him again. And he like if you if you get a chance to watch Lonnie after the game speaking, I'll, I'll just try to paraphrase some of it. But the bottom line is that he has a lot of self-belief and he is a very positive thinker. And if you heard Darvin and you probably didn't yet, but if you, Darvin and LeBron both spoke about this, that they've seen a lot of players go through something like that where they're not playing or they're not playing well, whatever it is, and just get mentally defeated. And we can all understand why. Anybody that's been through some level of adversity, you know, you don't always respond the way that you want to. Yep. Uh, and especially when everybody's watching. And so it it makes like, if I were going to pick a Laker player that 
was were in this situation that was going to have success, it would be Lonnie because of that level of self-belief and that like he's like a real true believer in himself and what he does. And, and he's so I think that that's why he's able to come in, rise up and just shoot a three in that context with like Steph Curry and the Lakers are just down 12. And he he really he's able to stay in that moment. And, you know, you mentioned Darius, like the stat about how Kobe and I'm, I'm definitely not putting him in the context of Kobe, but there's one thing that they share. And that's 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 one thing that they share. Kobe never had any issues believing in Kobe. Uh, and and yeah, so when yeah. he was able to come in, it didn't matter what the situation was. He always thought he was going to make the shot. And that's what Lonnie thought. So um, to, to close this part, what I'm going to say on Lonnie so we can get Darius's thoughts on it. I, I was standing waiting for A.D., um, to do the walk off. And so, you know, I couldn't, of course, tell what they were saying, but you could, you could see LeBron embrace him and then AD embrace him. And this is just that right back to the thing that we talk about a lot in sports being the metaphor for life. And you can explain why that's a great moment to your grandmother that, or your grandfather that might not know a lot about the Lakers or knows everything about them or just sports and why it's a cool story. It's somebody that's been out of the mix that is, that was given an opportunity and that player nailed it, you know, no, no matter what this happens to be higher stakes. And so that makes it a more special moment, probably. But it's a it's something that we can all understand somebody coming through in that kind of a situation. Well, just a level of skill, Pete. It's it's like he didn't get 15 points on six layups and a free throw. You know, like huge shots. That first shot he hit off of the LeBron screen. It's just like he is he basically sets a screen pops going to his left catches the ball on the move gathers square squares up and is just nails on on a three he hits a little short pull-up jumper he hits this pull up with Steph like all over him after like basically giving him a little juke to to try to get a little bit of separation he had that great transition play, which I think was his second or third basket of the quarter, mm-hmm. which I thought really helped him find a rhythm as well. Like, oh, I get to feel the ball and finish on the break a little bit. But just none of the jumpers he hit were like, oh, look at this. This is a cute little like I'm just standing here alone. No, it's just like the Lakers were dead tired. LeBron. There's, my recollection of it was a lot of that action was coming with LeBron you know, trying to get Steph involved. Yes. Was in, wasn't that where a lot of this stuff was stemming out of? Yeah. And so Pete, like LeBron went back to channeling and accessing that primary ball handler gene that, that he has. And so he took total control and reins of the game in order to try to lead the team home. And so he was calling up Lonnie into screen actions a bunch and the Warriors started pre-switching. Right. And so they were then putting clay into that action instead of Steph so that they could switch if they needed to switch. And so what ended up happening then, too, is like they were then just giving the ball to Lonnie and then starting to set screens for Lonnie with LeBron as well. And so it was that like the chess match, Pete, just kept continuing and continuing and continuing for the Lakers. And ultimately, it reminded me a little bit of the Memphis game where they just kept giving the ball to Austin because Austin was the one who could hit shots and was making plays. But instead, this time they were giving the ball to Lonnie and it wasn't that extreme, but it was a version of that. And just like 
I talked about this with D'Lo after the last game, but this idea of like having a skill guard who can like, if this is a series of skill guards where you've got Steph and Clay being Mm -hmm. like sort of on the pedestal there, D'Lo did a lot of that for the Lakers in, in the last game. But in this game, in the second half, it was a lot of Austin. And in the fourth quarter, it was a ton of Lonnie. And it was like that ball handling, shooting off the dribble work that is so key in this sort of environment where you just need shot making. And Lonnie adds a different dimension to that in that he's a world-class athlete, which Austin and D'Lo are not. And so that level of speed, that ability to jump a passing lane and get out on the break, but also the ability to run full speed off of a curl and hit a 16-footer off of a baseline out-of-bounds play, right? Like our set plays tonight, I and I, I want to transition this to just Darvin and the staff. This has been a great chess match series in terms of the coaches battling each other and one coach makes an adjustment and then the other one makes an adjustment, right? And our ATOs tonight were phenomenal when we were having trouble scoring in a lot of that first half, like we were, we got several out of bounds plays right after a timeout where it was like layup for LeBron off of a flex cut. Or that LeBron ducking layup duck was my favorite one. Yeah, AD had a similar one as well. We were scoring off of our set pieces a lot, and and I just I loved because inserting Gary Payton the second into the starting lineup and just a lot of the stuff that Golden State was doing, like. It, it earned some counters in the other direction. And that's part of the reason why I think we saw that point guard LeBron, that that LeBron that's targeting Steph both in the post, which he was not very successful at. And I think that that's part of the thing with this team is like there's more points left on the floor, Mike, but there are so many different guys that can step up. Like like Darius was saying, there was a D'Lo game last game, right? There's been a Rui game, an Austin game. Tonight's the Lonnie Walker the fourth game. And the ability to have that many guys that can do that is... Is, is just invaluable in a playoff series. One stretch I just wanted to point out that I thought was super key that I think is going to get lost some because of that fourth quarter and Lonnie and you know, the AD plays late and LeBron and Austin. Uh, I thought Dennis Schroeder made some huge plays. Yes. Uh, so they go down 12, right? Moses Moody hits the three in the corner. And that's that's big time danger zone, oh, yeah. man. Like game, game five, down 12, Golden State. Like they're going to score some, theoretically. And first of all, Austin comes right back and hits a wing three. Um, Austin had it felt like he he found his his legs a little bit more in this one, so he hits that three. And then Dennis has two or three plays um, where he either gets to the rim or he gets to the middle of the floor. Um, he just finds his way to get to the ba- to get the basketball, and he ends up with ten points. Um, and he's a plus fourteen, which is the highest uh, in the game of anybody. Five and nine from the field. He did have a couple of shaky turnovers. The behind the back pass, right, was was a loud one. But I, I just I didn't want that to get lost. Like Dennis, uh, he with what Golden State was doing and how small they were playing and making it difficult for like Rui to play a little bit more. Uh, I just thought that those minutes were critical, especially in the second half. Let's go to break here. And when we come back on the other side, I want to make one more quick point on Dennis and then get to some of those adjustments that we were talking about before. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mike, I'm so happy that you brought up Dan in this. I thought one of the best plays of the game is one that will probably get lost to history, and that was that inbound steal that he had. Yeah, after the LeBron layup. Yeah, like those were just that after they scored on that possession, they got it down to five, and that's where I felt like, oh, okay, like they are now back in it because the way that this game was going, it felt like, okay, Warriors are now up 12 and they would be happy basically just trading the rest of the way. It's just like, okay, we could give up three or four points here, but as long as we get two back and then, you you know, it'll be like, it'll be a 10-8 a exchange and then it'll be an eight to six exchange. And then before you know it, there's like four minutes left in the game and they're still up eight. And you're just like, oh, damn, like, are the Lakers ever going to make their push? And so I thought they needed that one more play to sort of turn it back where suddenly it's like a one possession game. 251 in the third, right? Uh, LeBron, LeBron layup and then Dennis gets the steal and he Mm -hmm. scores six seconds later after wheeling around (laughs) like the entire paint. Yeah, Pete. So they got it to seven and then. And then to start the fourth quarter, it was the Lonnie three and then a LeBron drive and then the dump off to AD and like suddenly it's tied at that point. Right. But let's go back to the beginning of the game because we knew the Warriors were going to start and make some some adjustments. And they did. They started their third different starting lineup in four games they insert Gary Payton the second in for Jamichael Green and we were talking about this a little bit before the game in starting Payton the second I feel like Kerr is trying to Payton the second checks several boxes for the Warriors and I thought smart move yeah I just thought and the biggest one though was that he's like a screener and a short role player but he does it from the guard position. And so he was going to allow them to play more into the machine of their offense while still playing fast. And he attacks the offensive glass. He's another ball handler and he's a defensive option for D'Lo. And I just thought like, oh, this is the dude who's going to try to unlock some stuff. And it worked. So tell me what you saw from that. And to set that up, that is a counter to the Lakers putting AD on Jamichael Green, which basically they wanted AD in the paint and able to, you know, to to show higher, of course. And but they they really wanted AD to lock down the paint, so they didn't want AD to guard a ball screener. And so by putting Peyton the second into the game. It's like, oh, whoever AD is guarding or we've got two on-ball screeners that can roll to the basket that can be really good in that short roll. And they combine that with putting 
Steph Curry on the ball more. Mike, you had a tweet, I, I believe, about the number of Steph ball screens, right, that they ran. Even in the first half, it was comparable to full games before that. And the best that the Warriors offense has looked in this series has been in game two and then in tonight. And in both of those games, they were really spreading us out where they're like setting the ball screen near half court. And it's like either Steph gets a running start or gets a little bit of space or more frequently it's Draymond or, or Peyton on that role. And they were really kind of carving us up with that. And so I just thought it was a really clever substitution. What did you think of, of that move? That to me was the biggest reason it, it it's almost counterintuitive, right? When you think about them going that much smaller and playing another small, uh, but what that did to the points in the paint and they finished 52 right. 46 uh, up, but it was more significant than that um, at half. Like they in here, I'm looking at it right now. So first half points in the paint, 32, 22. Um, and that was after the Lakers actually had gotten going a little bit in the second quarter, getting some of that action inside. But it, it just, to me, in, like I was sitting in my seat and that in that sense was like the Warriors were attacking um, the Lakers basket. And there's just there were so many times where there the ability, as you just described, for Peyton to just get get into that short roll. That's the space that eight. That's the one spot where AD can't get all the way back to. Yep. Like if he's going to go up. And, and so, of course, it's smart that they do it. And I'm I'm already kind of thinking of, all right, well, what is the Lakers counter here? Like. We saw they weren't going to play Vanderbilt as much, certainly. So you needed somebody else that was going to be able to stick. But it's just they're going to get open shots um, out of that action. It's the they have for the entire uh, for their entire career together um, that group, and so there. I, I don't know that there is an amazing answer for it. There are some better ones, and the Lakers I thought adjusted better to it in the second half. And then um, once like Peyton got pulled out of the game though because he didn't take an open shot early in the fourth quarter. Mm. And that's when Moody went back in. And I don't, not that it's that simple because he had, of course, made a corner three previously, but you know, Kerr didn't go back to him. And I don't know. I, I just thought like, I think Peyton's a better player than Moody. And there are there's so many of these interesting things, right. Is in the sliding doors. Like if one guy gets put in and yep. who's that guy going to be in, in, in meanwhile, the Lakers go with Lonnie Walker. And it was just so incredibly obvious. Well, he's not coming out <laughs> this <laughs> right. game. Not only that, but he is he is just sticking jumper after jumper after jumper uh, with with almost no conscious. And it was just a that was when Golden State, you could start to see their body language just like Steph gave him a look, Mike. You probably didn't see it from the angle that you watch from. But after Steph hit, I think it was the one where Lonnie uh, Lonnie crossed him and, and elevated and he stuck it. And like Steph looked back at him like, what the like, you know, like this guy is cooking. And so the, I think the for me, what's the point of that? Like the, the point is Steph and to an extent and Clay and, and Draymond, when they bring their A game, you know, even yeah. if they're not efficient, but like when they say, hey, we're winning this game. Yep. Like we are winning this game. They always win that game. And guess what? So do LeBron and AD. If, the, if, if each of these, if they have their enough of a supporting cast, Right. And that's why this game was so amazing to me, because yeah. neither neither one of those those two, those groups of players, um, when they engage, they typically come out on top and somebody had to lose this one. And, and so for for staff to be looking over and being like, man, I mean, and that's why it's the Lonnie Walker game. Yep. Mike, he hit that four point play and he turned and he yelled at the crowd and he screamed and he just had that look like. Did that I, remember Boston, Boston last year in game four, right? Mm-hmm. Same, same shit. Mike, I live in Oakland. 
I've been watching this team play a long, long time. Oh, man. What did your wife do when that happened? <laughs> so she was screaming a lot this game because she was excited. And there was a stretch, too, where I was like super upset. I was super upset. There was a sequence where I thought that the Lakers didn't necessarily get the whistle that I thought that they deserved. Like there was a play where AD shot a little turnaround jumper that was short and Draymond had a handful of jersey. Like he literally like pulled his jersey and you could see it on TV. It was clear as day. And he missed it. And AD was super upset. He was like, he was given the ref an earful. And then the next play down, LeBron missed a shot, but he got an offensive rebound. And then he sort of got hit right there. That was just like, 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 and then the next play down, Wigan shot that little floater that he missed. And AD got called for a foul. And then Peyton got the air the ball reverse It would have been a putback, but it didn't yeah, count. Yeah, it would have been a putback. Yeah. And so the Lakers actually benefited from that, even though Wiggins hit both free throws. But let's just say I was not, I was not as pleased during that stretch. And I had my own sort of yelling fit. But look, they're not about excited. The refs, man. They're, yeah. they're like, yeah. No, well, I just thought. The whole game, I just thought this is a physical game and like this is a great basketball game. And so I wasn't even really care. Like the rest were really the last thing on my mind, except for that one little stretch where I was just like, you got to just call the obvious one. Like that's an obvious one. Like I don't care about the bumping. And I thought Draymond was excellent defensively on so many plays against AD and just the level of force and physicality. Like it's what made this game great. It really was. It was that idea of what Mike said about. Like Steph and Clay and Draymond and Clay didn't have a great game, but he hit that huge corner three where the Lakers got scrambled and mm. lost him. And three minutes left, they go up three. Oh man. And so there were so many of those moments, Pete. And I just felt like, holy cow, this game is freaking amazing. And one of these teams is going to lose. And the team that, that loses is going to be like wrecked because of this. Right. And so. I know we started this whole thing talk like like talking adjustments and I thought again that Darwin was was great. I thought the tweak of then starting AD on Wiggins like the first score out of halftime I was just like, "Oh, they galaxy brain this." Like they totally got an easy shot. I was just like, "This ain't working." But they settled in and AD on Wiggins did did start to work and they stopped putting AD in ball screens because they had him on Wiggins and that's not Wiggins' game. And I thought it did sort of settle in there. So I know we just went in some giant maze of a path there, but talk to me about the second half adjustments because we saw a counter to the counter, which we don't always see within these games. So the biggest thing that I was concerned about as I was watching the second half of the game in terms of the scope of the entire series is... Golden State has something to spam or someone to spam with Steph in ways that we don't really have like a go-to. We're going to give the ball to LeBron and he's going to get us a bucket off of – it might be a ball screen that Austin runs. It may be point guard LeBron. It may be a post-up for AD. But we don't really have that dependable we're going to go to this every single time type of thing. And Steph is terrifying (laughs) on that front. And so – they put Anthony Davis and just every team they play really, but the hedging big most specifically in the most difficult of positions. And the one of the things that I really liked about 
the the way that we a- approached that is as insane as it sounds. I think you have to make Steph a scorer. The version of him that had the thirteen or fourteen assists tonight. Same thing as Game Two, right? Like that's I think the version where their offense is at their best, where he's getting to the basket, getting by guys, and like you know spraying the ball out to open shooters when they get into their flow offense. Like that that really encapsulates the rhythm of when they're at their best. And so we started switching AD onto him more and having him contest high. Steph hit like a sidestep one that was a big shot, but we all, he also missed another one where LeBron, where AD had a rim run. And this is part of the reason why I advocate for this switching. And that's, again, the best defensive player in the world guarding the best offensive player in the world. How great is that? And making him kind of shoot bombs over the top. Steph took 30 shots tonight, right? They made him work to get those shot attempts. And I thought that at the end of the game, you saw less of that, them getting downhill, Mike, with the Draymonds. Like you said, GP2 wasn't in the game, but it also wasn't Steph as much. He hit one really nice runner to cut it to a one a one point game, but he had a guy leaning on him on back pressure. He had to kiss it off the glass. Uh, these are the types of shots that you want to give up. And I thought just that the, the switching and just the increased level of get Anthony Davis to get a hand up. And I, he talked about this in the post game with you, right? Like that kind of that challenge. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on your post game with him and guarding Steph specifically. Well, it's funny that you talked about the way that what Steph has done to basically anybody guarding him, but especially bigs in those kind of situations and how much he's killed. And I do think that when I saw that AD got switched over to Steph for, for somebody that's just thinking, okay, what's going to happen as a result here? There, I've gotten to a point with Anthony Davis where even Steph Curry, for me, there's a level of confidence that Anthony Davis is at a at bare minimum is going to make that that player, including Steph, take the most difficult shot that they can take there. Yep. Nobody has. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of um, what was the example? Oh, at Indiana and Halliburton, you know, decides, hey. You know, let me let me take a run at the title here uh-huh. and and AD packs it. I mean, so that was kind of the that was the one where I think I can get him. He's a big he can't stay with me. I'm going to get to the rim. Nope. He follows you all the way, way there and he swats it. I think Steph Steph knows he's not going to take him all the way into the rim, um, especially with with that shot clock situation. So he's thinking I, I have to dance. I have to make him think I'm gonna, and he's going to the step back and he still gets it off, which is amazing. But he has to change his trajectory. That's right. So much that even though Steph is the, if you watch his pregame routines and I know um, Darius, you've done this many times in person, right? He works on all that stuff pregame. He'll, he'll, he'll do the one where you're like, what is he doing? And he lofts it uh, at a, at a just completely bizarre air like angle when there's nobody defending him, but it's not like, so for Steph, it's, I think Warriors fans probably have a certain comfortability with it as well. But the whole, the whole point here is that Anthony Davis, who's doing everything else, for the entire game is still able to just be in that situation and defend Steph. And it's, it's just emblematic of he has been by so far the best defensive player this postseason, And he's the best defensive player in the world right now. And, and that was the, the biggest reason like we're gonna, it's Lonnie Walker, of course, massive, but 17 points for a Warriors team. Steph took 30 shots tonight for 31 points. And Pete, I think that, that kind of backs up what you're saying there is like you, you want him to have to work to that degree, but it's got to be against smart 
and uh, and excellent def- uh, rotating defenses and in ha- you have to have a big that can handle it and we know that AD can and, and one of the few in the world that can do it um and somebody who can do that has the mobility to do that on the perimeter has the discipline and technique to stay with the a guy like Steph who can also defend the rim against a John Morant those are two completely different jobs defensively and he can rise to that occasion against some of the very best in the world at doing that in particular and Again, I've been so struck by the narrative around Anthony Davis and like the stupid like, oh, it's even games and odd games thing that been going around like, oh, can he be consistent? I must have seen that on every like national thing that this was a thing. And I'm like, this is the most vapid, stupid, like it's it's like he's playing historic level defense throughout the entirety of these playoffs. His worst defensive game has been very, very good. All the way through, like, break the game, hold help hold the Warriors to 17 points in a game that they must win, like the one that Mike was talking about earlier when they're in that mindset. And the reason they score 17 points, number one reason for that is Anthony Davis. So you have this historic defender who's also capable of getting you 25 or 30 on a night. And yeah, will he have 15 on some nights? Yeah, he's a very good offensive player. He's not a Steph-level offensive player, Mike. But when you have a historic-level defender who's also really, really good on offense. And the only fucking thing that you can find yourself saying is, oh, even games and odd games. Let's see if he shows up. Hey, watch, watch what the stupid fucking voting is these next couple of days. What did they got? All defense and all NBA teams. Watch that shit and think about what you've seen from Anthony Davis, these playoffs. It's so fucking dumb. Well, Pete. Yeah. Hey, no, I, I enjoyed listening to that. Uh, we've, we've had many a conversation about this very thing, and, and a lot of it's been on the text thread, but I think the the element for me that it, it's just like the, the way that he's playing defensively, it's hard, Darius, to explain to people how much it takes physically to do it at that level because almost nobody has done it at that level in terms of defending the rim and the perimeter and being the key player in almost every action. Like that is a ton of work. Just that. And then on the offensive end, as Pete just referenced, like there were a couple of games where he wasn't as productive, but we're missing all of the context, like how Memphis had him on number one in the scouting report uh, from an offensive perspective. Right. So they were sending the most help to him. And the guy that that actually won the defensive player of the year award was involved in that. And he wasn't the only guy. He had help. Right. So they're just sending just absurd defensive assets to Anthony Davis. Like, yeah, he has a couple of games in the (sighs) And that so and that's why like his so he averaged and by the way he still averaged twenty one points despite not playing in two fourth quarters in that first round and he shot fifty percent from the oh, field oh, yeah and one of the points in the whole dumb even odd thing is like game six where he had like sixteen and twelve and I'm seeing this on graphics where it's like look this yeah. bar is really high game six really low we won by forty and he was like a plus thirty five and didn't play in the in the fourth quarter he was amazing in that game. So that's the basic context that, and I keep saying this, is that like in the, in round one, despite all of the, not despite all of the, what he was doing defensively. And then the offense that the way that Memphis was playing him enabled his teammates to get a lot of open looks like, like, and that's what NBA playoff basketball is like. Now take a guess at what AD is shooting in this series in which, by the way, he has not gotten a lot of field goal attempts. He only took 16 shots tonight. He took 10 in game three. 
He took 11 in game two. He's shooting 59% and 96% at the free throw line so far to get to his 22 points while doing everything else. 15 rebounds, three blocks, two steals. So it's just like he has been at worst a top three player in the postseason. Uh, I, I think now Jokic has been terrific. Does he do much defensively? No, he's been so amazing offensively um, that, that so he's in that conversation. Booker has been fantastic on both ends. Uh, Jimmy Butler, right? Th- those would be, but AD is not currently being discussed as, as being like in that mix. It's more like, uh, I think he's like tier two. Bro, like, no, 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 so no. prideful. No. You like, said stupid shit he, about Anthony Davis for the last couple of years when he was hurt. And now, like, you, you're too prideful to be like, oh, shit, this guy's unbelievable. Ah. I'm just enjoying being mad. This is <laughs> Got great. Got my hair flopping around. This is great theater. Anthony Davis was getting switched on to Steph Curry. And honestly, it's literally the biggest possession of the game. The Lakers are up by a single point, And Steph Curry has the ball on an island against a single player any player in the league it doesn't matter if he's Steph Curry size if he is if he's Dennis Schroeder size if he is Anthony Dave Davis's size any single time you're going to find Steph Curry isolated on an island with that much time and a live dribble you feel like he's going to get a good shot Anthony Davis pressed up on him So he's like 30 feet from the basket here. He pressed up on him, knocked the ball away, and made Steph sort of regather his handle. Now, AD then backed off him, but kept him at arm's length where he's like, I'm controlling this this possession now. And this is the thing that makes Anthony Davis great on defense, is he makes you play offense on his terms defensively. And he does that over and over again to all of these players, even when it seems like you're attacking him. That's his idea. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm just going to invite you. I'm just going to invite you here. And then when you get close, I'm going to block you or I'm going to deflect this or I'm going to make you think that you have something open and you totally don't. And so by the time Steph got into his shooting motion in order to get to the step back, AD was right on top of him again, and Steph did have to shoot this crazy arc shot. But that's not the part. As impressive as all of that was, that's not even the part that impresses me the most. The thing that impresses me the most is Draymond got the offensive rebound and he kicks it out to Steph. And now Steph has a live dribble. He hasn't even committed the dribble yet. AD is standing straight up, and it reminded me of um, Game of Death. (laughs) Yeah, he's not getting more space. Yeah, with with the way AD can move his feet plus the length, and like this is where the insane athleticism plus the, comes in. I was just gonna add, like the, the game still wasn't over, right? Lonnie ends up making two free throws, but then Golden State calls timeout. Yeah. They have the ball. They set something up. Draymond gets gets past. Not really. Dennis is sticking with him. Yeah, it was just a and, hammer play. They were running a hammer play. I think I, I don't know who the shooter was. It was either Steph or Clay that they run that for. And so, yeah, LeBron and AD were all over that. And basically, they passed that right into Anthony Davis's lap, which is, as we talk about the the tractor beam and, and AD's physical talents and the Steph measuring up AD and AD measuring up Steph, which is just, just great. Um, 
there's that too. There's the, the mental aspect where if you actually know what's going on, you know their plays and what they like to do and their tendencies, you can be there, right, waiting for it to to fall into your lap. And that's exactly what happens. So And yet like they, you know, Steph is basically a decoy and then and they figure like Clay had just hit a three in the other corner and that's the benefit of Clay being six seven. And like like I get it. I get it, but you know, AD and LeBron both kind of sunk in, and and that was the game. That was that was when it flipped. Lakers find the solution on the defensive end, and with a little help from Lonnie Walker the fourth and a few others, uh, go up three one. Big game coming up on Wednesday, game five up in San Francisco. We will be back, I think, tomorrow to preview that game. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Jack with his eighth block shot that a lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, score. Listen! Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot popping out of five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.